Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to On The Ledge. I'm your host Jane Perrone and this week we're getting down and dirty with potting mixes. can't tell your coir from your charcoal or your laker from your leaf mould then the next couple of episodes are for you because I'm running through an A to Z of potting mix ingredients and I've got Mr Houseplant aka Vladan to help me explain the different components that can make up your houseplant potting mixes. Plus I'm answering a question about finding Houseplant gifts for some very special people. A shout out to this week's new patrons. Christine and Amy both became legends. And Lisa, W.T. Fox and Crystal all became crazy plant people. And now there's an annual payment for just over $10 a year. You can show your support for On The Ledge. And trust me, every one of those donations is absolutely vital to the show. So thank you to everyone who has done that. If you're an existing patron and you want to swap from monthly to annual payments, you should still be able to do that. And I've sent you a message on how that's achieved. It's a tiny bit fiddly, but if you run into any problems, do give me a shout and I will help you make it work. Joshua PD, I've got a bone to pick with you. You left a review for On The Ledge on Apple Podcasts that really gave me a shock because you titled the review awful, but then you gave it five stars. So I was first scared and then confused. And you start off your review by saying, this is a terrible podcast, bad Jane. But then things get better. I've been buying plants hither and yon. Is that a phrase? I think it's an American phrase. Here in the UK, we'd say hither and thither, strangely enough recklessly adding to an already way too large plant cacophony. I love the idea of a plant cacophony. I've had to cast out into the wilderness old plants to make room for the new hip happening varieties. Oh, the humanity. It's anarchy. Well, thank you for giving my heart a little skip there, Joshua PD, and for your review. I'm glad that I'm introducing you to lots of new plant experiences. Thanks also to Pixiegirl84 from the UK, who has left a straightforwardly positive review about On The Ledge, in which they say they're loving my chats with different planty experts on many different aspects of botany. Made me consider things I hadn't thought about much, such as environmental costs of using certain products and thinking about where our houseplants come from. Well, that's the aim, trying to get those messages across. So thank you very much, Pixie Girl 84 for your review. 
I'm always happy to receive constructive criticism. And so this week I have made a change to the show as a result of a comment from a listener. And this was actually something I was thinking about before this email came in, but it just cemented my decision. And it's from somebody who just describes themselves as a California listener. I'll read you a little bit of the message. 2020 has proven to become quite the unforgettable year. Being a listener of yours from California, one of your listener questions from the questionnaire has become a lot less fun and more a reality. I often ask myself this question in the past few months as I see counties around my home on fire. Which of my 200 plus plants would I rescue? None. I have my husband, our son and our two cats. In that time, I grab that chosen plant. I could spend time finding my cats in our burning house or packing as many essentials as we can stow into our small car. The space that plant would take up would be better used for more essentials. Currently, nearly all the states west of the Colorado Rockies are on fire. Climate change is not stopping. It's only gotten worse and worse for California and now for many of the western half of the USA. I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Would it be much to ask you to withdraw your house is on fire question for now because it's becoming a reality for some houseplant lovers, please? Well, a Californian listener, I hear you completely and I agree that the question has lost a lot of the original intent of being fun and become far too real for too many listeners, both in the US and Australia and no doubt in other parts of the world. So I'm going to retire that question from now and not use it anymore. And the new question that's going to replace it, it has the same kind of spirit, but it has a completely different uh, slant and I'm not going to tell you quite what it is yet. You'll have to wait for the next Meet the Listener, which won't be happening in this episode. But when it does, I hope that you'll be delighted with the way I've gone with it. It was, I have to say, thanks to my assistant Kelly for coming up. I think it was actually her other half who came up with the idea for the question. So I hope that that will provide a better way of framing that particular idea of what's your favourite plant. I also had an email from Sarah on this question. Sarah doesn't say where they are, but there are fires burning close to their home. Sarah writes, you always ask the listener what plant they would grab if the house were to catch fire. And I thought mine was a ficus elastica that I propagated from a friend eight years ago and is the oldest remaining plant in my collection. I have a big attachment to it. With wildfires raging everywhere close by, I'm not in an evacuation zone, but slowly gathering things near the door just in case. This question has become very real. The answer is I would not grab my most loved plants, but rather the hardest thing to replace that is small. If I must leave, I will grab a tiny recent propagate of my beloved tree. It will fit in the car. My giant rubber tree is simply too big. I can always grab a medium silver satin pothos and a small jar of Brazil philodendron cuttings if they fit. Almost all my other favourite plants are either super common or I have a propagate in my office so I can make more plants. All of this has shown the true value of our ability to propagate our loved plants and therefore have other sources to restart them stored with friends, family and co-workers. Share the plant love and you will never be without your favourite for long. That's, yeah, that's an awesome message. I'm loving that, Sarah, because that's very true. There are many, many reasons to continuously propagate your plants, but I hadn't thought of that one, that actually in the event of a catastrophic incident, it is a way that you can pull things back from the brink. And in fact, on a very, very much more minor scale, I've done that myself recently, I had a begonia Hatakoa silver, which is a rather lovely silver splash begonia, which I'd basically killed. 
<laughs> I don't know how, but I found one tiny, tiny segment of leaf that was still alive, very, very slightly alive. And I put it inside my propagation unit, which is basically just a cake tray with a, one of those trays that they put muffins in with a clear lid and put it in a little container in there with um, some moisture and it's grown into a lovely little small plant. So just for every on every level, it is worth having propagation going on all the time and giving away those plants because as you say, you never know when you might need some cuttings back. And in fact, this has happened to me, a listener called Lauren. I sent her a streptocarpus leaf and then I managed to kill the streptocarpus and she has sent me back a leaf off the plant which I had sent her. So what goes around comes around. Ain't that the truth? And I have an announcement for anyone who is a horticulture professional. I've had a contact from the UCLA Extension, the Horticulture and Gardening Program in California, and they're looking for a qualified instructor to teach a new course in indoor plant care. You don't have to be in California to do it because I think it's going to mainly be distance learning. And if you are at all interested in this opportunity, um, it's a course on identifying houseplants and problems and all the kind of things we cover in the show. So if you think you have the right experience and qualifications for this job, I think it's a part time role then please do drop a line to ontheledgepodcast.gmail.com and I will drop you back the information that I've had from the programme manager, Melissa McDonald, about the job. So do step forward if you think that might be a great role for you. confusing world of houseplant potting mixes out there. If you've ever stood in the garden centre staring at brightly coloured bags and not quite sure what to buy, then I'm here to help. And I've enlisted another expert to add their tuppence on the matter. My guest this week, Mr. Houseplant, aka Vladan Nikolic, is a houseplant care specialist from Washington, D.C., with a huge following on Instagram. And he also makes some pretty awesome TikTok videos, too. I first came across him via a wonderful TikTok where he was doing a mashup between computer games and houseplant care, which was absolutely brilliant. I will put a link to that in the show notes because we're going to be doing some decoding of potting mixes and working out exactly what you need. I guess the first question is, do you need to make your own bespoke potting mixes from individual ingredients or can you just buy something off the shelf? Here's Mr. Houseplant's thoughts on the matter. So there are two general types of potting mixes sold out there. You have mixes for tropical plants and mixes for succulents and cacti. With succulent and cacti mixes, yes, a lot of them are good and you could use a lot of them straight out of the bag. However, with tropical mixes, in most cases, for most hobby houseplant growers, uh, they shouldn't use the mix straight out of the bag. The main reason is that most of these commercial mixes are not porous enough. Yes, it's all about the holes. Porosity is a really important concept to grasp when it comes to choosing your houseplant potting mixes. And the truth is that not all holes are created equal. In soil, water and air are held in pore spaces in between soil particles. And these pores can be of different sizes. 
we can generally classify them as macropores or large pores and micropores or small pores. So these macropores, they're often visible to the naked eye, while micropores are not. And macropores are important for good aeration because they hold oxygen, whereas micropores are important for absorbing and holding water. So it's important to maintain both adequate aeration and water supply for optimal plant growth. So it's necessary to have both macro and micropores in the soil. And when I say that most potting mixes aren't porous enough, I mean they don't have a lot of these macropores, so they don't provide a lot of oxygen for the roots. Um, in order to have a good soil structure that has both macro and micropores, you need a good ratio of small, medium and large particles in a potting mix. So you need particles of different sizes. The problem with most commercial mixes that contain peace moss, um, the problem is that they contain mostly peat moss, which consists of very fine particles. So if you have only, only fine particles, the soil will only contain micropores, which means it will retain water, it won't have a lot of oxygen, and it will also compact very easily. If you've listened to my sustainability episodes, then hopefully you'll have some awareness of the sustainability issues that are surround peat and its use in houseplant compost. But it remains the fact that many, many production nurseries still supply their house plants in potting mixes that contain an extremely high level of peat. So how come those nurseries can grow plants that look amazingly lush and well, but when we get those plants into our homes and don't change the potting mix, they start to struggle? Well, fortunately, Vlad's on hand to explain that as well. So... Does this mean that we absolutely cannot use these tropical mixes straight out of the bag? Not necessarily, because even if a mix is not porous enough, when a plant is getting lots of light, it photosynthesizes more, and as a result, its roots will be pulling more water from the soil. So what this means is the roots will not be sitting in wet soil for a long time, so the chances of root rot will be low. And this is why plants in nurseries can grow in these potting mixes because nurseries provide huge amounts of light. They have roofs, they have walls made out of glass, they can get 50 times more light than the plants in our homes. So nurseries actually need potting mixes, they retain a lot of water, which is why they can use these mixes uh, straight out of the bag. But the problem with hobby growers is that we don't have this amount of light in our homes. And most people, even if they do have a lot of light, they don't provide it to their plants because people usually choose plant placement based on where it will look good, not according to how much light it's going to get. So people often choose a you know, dark corner because uh, it fits well with the you know, interior instead of keeping a plant next to a window. And when a plant doesn't get a good amount of light, it will photosynthesize less and the roots will be pulling less water from the soil meaning they will be sitting in this wet soil longer and increasing the chances of root rot. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
should you be changing the soil on your new house plants the minute you get them home from the nursery? This is a subject of enormous debate in various house plant forums, but here's Vlad's take. Plants in nurseries, they usually go through periods of very uh, intense growth and the soil that they come in could be deficient in nutrients by the time you get them. So if a plant is nutrient deficient, you of course want to give it new soil as soon as you can so it can continue developing well. Also, if there is accumulation of salts in the soil, over time they will burn the roots. So the longer you leave a plant inside that soil, the more damage you will have on the roots. So um, if a plant needs to be repotted, you should repot it as soon as you can. time for question of the week which comes from the Cole family thank you the Cole family from New South Wales Australia for getting in touch apparently hot summers and cool winters on the order of the day there because the Cole family would like to get their teachers some plants at the end of the year as a present great idea our hope is that the teachers will keep a bit of greenery in their classrooms but to complicate things you sound like me. like to keep your life as complicated as possible. We thought it would be really interesting to try to find a plant for each teacher with a name similar to their own. Is that too much to ask? OK, so they're trying to na- match up names. We've got a Suzanne, we've got a Linda, we've got a Nicole, a Kim and an Amy. Well, for Amy, that one's easy. There is a wonderful Streptocarpus, which you can buy from Dibley's in the UK, which is, they've got these amazingly vivid petals, which are a mixture of purple and white and the purple sort of purple venation over white. And they're really, really gorgeous. I have no idea if you can get this plant in Australia, but if you can, I think Amy's a good option. There is a new Chinese evergreen, Aglianema, called Sapphire Suzanne. It's got pink variegation running down the midrib and into the veins. And that's rather lovely if you can get hold of one of those. And Kim, well, there's a lovely prayer plant, a variegated form of the rabbit tracks, Maranta, Maranta Lucanura, And its variety name is Kim. So that would be a good choice. And I've also come across a Ficus Benjamina cultivar called Nicole, which has got a nice cream and green leaf and is quite compact. And finally, Linda, well, there's a Peperomia rotundifolia with its lovely little heart-shaped leaves. is also known as Yerba Linda. Now, I realise that a lot of those suggestions are probably a bit out there and I don't know whether you'll be able to get hold of them in New South Wales, but I think you could look at this question in a different way and just go by the first letters of the teacher's name. So for Suzanne, we could have Suzanne having a Sansevieria or snake plant. Linda, well, she could get some lithops or possibly a lipstick vine, Escananthus. For Nicole, well, you could get her a Neanthibella, which is the old name for Camadoria elegans, the parlor palm. That may be a little bit obscure, unless you're me. But what about oh, the Penthes? That would be fun. Or even a Norfolk Island pine. Kim, that's easy. Kentia palm or Calanco. Or if you if she's a Gesneriad fan like me, you get a get her a Coleria. And Amy, well, of course, it's got to be Aspidistra, right? Or maybe an asparagus fern. 
or if you want to give her a challenge, an alocasia. Those are my ideas. If anyone else has got ideas for the Cole family, then do you shout up? I mean, sometimes you just look at a person and you get a sense of what kind of plant they might be interested in. So maybe some background information about these teachers would be useful or perhaps the subjects that they teach. But that's your starter for 10 Cole family. I hope that's provided some inspiration. If any listeners have got their own ideas about what the Cole family should be giving as presents, then please let me know. And the Cole family sign off by saying, the Cole family who have just ordered some coleus seed. See what we did there. I think your sense of humour and my sense of humour may be fairly similar, guys. <laughs> Thanks very much for getting in touch. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, then shout out and let me know. On the ledge podcast at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch. And if you want to have a look at all those plants named after people that I mentioned, do check out the show notes and they are all listed there. And now it's time to go deeper into those potting mix ingredients by starting our A to Z. I don't quite have enough ingredients to cover all 26 letters of the alphabet, but I've got a fair few covered here. And first of all, so let's kick off with A. A is for Akadama. What on earth is Akadama? Well, it's a special soil that's mainly used by bonsai growers. It looks, uh, I'm not going to lie, it looks a little bit like cat litter, but it's a, a clay-based mineral soil that has comes in little tiny balls. And you, it's not that easy to get hold of unless you move in bonsai circles, although it is becoming more popular as a specialist amendment for houseplant potting mixes. So you may see it coming up in those more specialist houseplant suppliers. And the reason why it exists in Japan is that it's this is where it comes from. It's it's a byproduct of volcanic action, and you get this very rich clay soil, which is really really porous and holds a lot of water, but also allows water to drain through it really quickly, which makes it ideal for bonsai. The complaints against it? Well, some bonsai growers don't use it because they think that it breaks down over time and ends up not being a very good drainage material. I've not used Akadama, but I would love to hear from you if it's a regular in your potting mixes and your thoughts on the subject. Next up, B is for bark. Now, when we think of bark mixes, I think we're probably most often thinking about orchids, which particularly Phalaenopsis, are often grown in just pure chips of bark. What kind of bark is it? Well, it's usually either pine or fir. Bark comes in different grades for different purposes. The very fine stuff, which might only be half a centimetre by half a centimetre, is used very differently from the medium-sized bark to the very large chips. I believe there has been a bit of a orchid bark shortage in the UK of late, late, but I tend to buy it from reptile shops. My daughter got her first snake this summer, so I've been in a fair few of those in the last few weeks. And in there, you'll find that the same bark that you'd use for your houseplant mixes is sold as a substrate for reptiles. And so you can pick up the different grades and it may even be cheaper than it is at the garden centre. I like the really fine grade bark, 
for adding to compost mix for things like ferns and tropical plants. If you've got Phalaenopsis that need repotting, then you'll need much, much larger, either the medium or large grade chips. It's also good for epiphytic plants such as Hoyas. Obviously, they're plants that are growing on branches, so there would be a fair amount of bark in their soil anyway. And for these, I tend to either use the fine grade bark or sometimes if you've got a bag of the large chips, you'll find that there's a load of stuff at the bottom of the bag that collects, which is kind of dusty and very, very small pieces of bark. This is ideal for mixing in with your Hoyas compost. Now, this is an odd one, but B is also for basic slag. Yes, you heard that right. Basic slag. Have you ever come across that term before? I suspect if you are any younger than me, you probably haven't, and you probably need to be a little bit older than me to have come across it. It is a term that I came across in a book about epiphyllums that I picked up in a secondhand bookshop when I was on holiday. It's called Fine Flowered Cacti by F.R. McQuone, and it came out, I think, in the 60s. And this mentioned basic slag and I had no idea what he was talking about. I'm just going to find the reference uh, if I can. I think it was a propagation reference. Ah, here we are. The writer says, I like to dip each cut surface in basic slag. Uh, this is uh, a chapter about propagating epiphyllums. So what on earth is basic slag? Apparently, it helps to the cup to dry cleanly and without infection. So I had to Google this one. And it turns out that basic slag is a byproduct of making steel. It's got a lot of lime in it. And it used to be used as a quite common fertilizer. And in fact, I did come across a link to an advert for a grassland fertilizer that was titled Basic Slag is Back. Probably the best grassland fertilizer ever. And yeah, so it seems to be something that has lots of nutrients for plants in it and that was popular at one point. I guess if you lived near a steelworks, you might be able to get hold of it incredibly cheaply. And if you have a big field of crops to fertilise, it might be a very cheap way. But I've certainly never come across it sold in the garden centres. So let me know if you're a basic slag user because um, I'd be interested to hear. Moving swiftly on. See is for cat litter. I do not own cats, but I do usually have some cat litter in my shed. What on earth am I using that for? Well, it's a really, really good substitute for other forms of drainage material, such as perlite, particularly favoured by cactus growers. But you need to get the right kind of cat litter because not all cat litter is created equal. You specifically need to find ones that are non-clumping and usually they'll be described as molar clay or calcined molar. There are a couple of brands that are commonly used in the UK by cactus growers. One of them is Sunny Cat Pink and the other one is Tesco Low Dust Cat Litter. I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. So wherever you would use, say, a handful of perlite or a handful of grit in your potting mix, you can just substitute it for a handful of the cat litter. It's perfectly fine to use and it can work out a bit more cheaply than buying something that's actually being marketed as a potting mix <laughs> ingredient. And hey, if you can pick it up while you're doing your supermarket shop rather than having to make a special trip to the garden centre, all to the good. 
And the last ingredient we're going to talk about in this episode is another C. It's C for charcoal, or more specifically, activated charcoal. You can often pick this up in aquarium shops where it's sold for filters, but in the houseplant context, it is a very, very poor substance. The activated bit basically means it goes through a very high temperature process, which makes it extremely porous, full of those micro pores that Vladan was talking about. And that means that it's good at holding nutrients, it's good at holding water, it's good at holding air. So it's a very useful thing to add to your potting mix. There are lots of claims banded about, about it removing impurities and things and protecting from bacteria and funguses taking hold. I have to say I take those with a little bit of a pinch of salt. I haven't seen any evidence that it's going to do some incredible purifying work to your soil. I think its main purpose is to add extra porosity to your potting mixes. continue with this A to Z next week. We've got lots of other materials to cover, including diatomaceous earth, rice husks, and finding out what on earth, or who on earth, John Innes was, and what he had to do with potting mixes. Thanks to Vlad for being my guest this week. He will be back with more insights in the next part of the A to Z. You can find Vlad on Instagram as Vladan and on Twitter as Mr. Houseplant, and I'll put all his social links in the show notes. And one final thing to say, if you're the kind of person who likes to be in on the ground floor of something really exciting, you might want to check out my social media channels next Wednesday around 10am BST. There's going to be a very, very exciting announcement. Don't worry if you can't make that, because you'll be hearing about it in next week's show. Oh, the intrigue. Have a legendary week, plant people. I'll see you soon. you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Day Gakana by Samuel Corwin, and Oh Mallory by Josh Woodward. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit janeperone.com for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.